G'day expats and welcome to another episode of Expat Chat, a special episode today as we have our guest on again, our Managing Director for the Taxation side, Ben Turner. G'day Ben, how are you going? I'm doing well, thanks James. How about yourself? I'm good, mate. We're, we're winding down for the year. It's, you know, we're well into December and it's hard to believe that 2024 is on its way. As I uh, sign off things for clients, I, I think I'm going to find it very hard to be putting down the year 2024. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. But we're in that sort of wind down period. I've even seen it with a lot of businesses. Everyone's sort of starting to put out their, I suppose, replies, auto-replies, shutdowns, those sort of things. How's the year winding up for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going strong with a bit of a wet sail. So, you know, yep. it's always good to get a number of people's uh, returns signed off prior to the year. It's a little bit like a, um, a resolution, I guess, and, and yeah. you can go to the Christmas break without having that on your shoulder. Absolutely, Matt. Absolutely. And it's a really good uh, talking point that I've got for us today. And before we jump into it, a quick disclaimer for those that are watching us on YouTube or listening to us on your podcast channel of choice, anything you hear today should not be construed as personal tax or financial advice. It's for entertainment and information purposes only. If you do need advice in those areas, well, that's what we do. So please feel free to reach out confidentially. Now, let's jump into it. Today's topic, it's a really important one, and it's when, for non-residents, Australian expats specifically, when do they need to actually do an Australian tax return? Um, because I, I know over the last couple of years, there's always a bit of confusion of what is actually required, when do you need to do one? So, Ben, I thought I'd try and pick your brain today a little bit around that topic, and generally speaking, when, as a high-level, I suppose, question, when do you need to actually do a tax return as a non-resident? Yeah, that's a good good question. And I think what's probably also worth mentioning is that not every expat is going to be a non-resident as well. Mm, mm. Um, and that sometimes can surprise a few people. Um, you know, you might see situations, particularly in sort of the yachting and those sorts of industries where people mm. move around a lot, where the tax office does take a pretty strict view on residency there and they may not become non-resident during that particular situation. Mm. So just bear in mind, as a bit of a, a side note, if you haven't considered your residency and you're not comfortable with your residency, that's probably the first port of call because, as you're probably aware, a resident would be taxed on your worldwide income typically in Australia. So um, that does broaden the scope. But mm. for those that, you know, the vast majority of expats who are non-resident when they leave, there's a limited number of times that people will need to lodge a tax return. Um, Effectively, there's a few circumstances when these will uh, apply. As a non-resident, you're typically taxed on, in Australia, only on Australian sourced income. So effectively, if you want to think about what income that you've received in the year, is any of that based in Australia? So typically things that we would see is interest from Australian bank accounts, Uh, dividends from from shares, um, capital gains and losses um, in certain circumstances. If you don't deem disposed, and they will continue to then be taxable at the time of sale. That's right. Um, If they're taxable Australian property, so a typical one is in a family home or Mm. investment properties, they'll always be taxable on any capital gain or loss at the time that you actually uh, sell those, even if you're an expat and a non-resident. Yep. Um, another couple of 
ones that people might not think about is, is trailing employee share scheme income. Mm, so that's yeah. uh, where sometimes you've got like a four or five-year vesting period and there's a portion of the time between grant and vest where there is an Australian service period. Yeah. So if that's the case, then that portion that relates to the Australian service still would be considered Australian sourced income and then taxable in Australia. Yeah. So yep. bear, bear that in mind. The employer should have an obligation to give you an ESS statement, though, in that case. That's so right. there should be a bit of a flag um, there so that you actually do get a prompter to do a tax return. Um, termination payouts that might occur after you've left and and but still relate to your Australian-based employment would be another one where we yep. see a bit of a lag between uh, the tax year and, and when you're actually receiving that income yeah um yep and uh, i might uh, and i might i might interject and, and further um query and ask your thoughts i mean whenever i, I speak to some clients and expats in the past um that have just come on as a client or they've been i'm speaking to a new expat and you know their only income might be some interest income or some dividends I think there's sometimes the myth that goes around that, oh, you know, that's the only kind of income I have because that might be from non-taxable Australian property sources. I don't need to declare anything to the ATO. But, I mean, that's definitely not correct because, one, there's a few sort of, uh, not issues, but uh, disconnects there. Uh, a really good example would be share platforms. If they don't know you're a non-resident, well, they don't know to withhold tax on certain income sources. And often when we look at a lot of platforms, the platforms won't automatically withhold, I suppose, the correct rate all the time. Um, there, there is a legislation piece that governs those kind of platforms that says it has to generally withhold a certain amount, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to always hold the correct amount. And then I think interest income is probably the most common one where they're leaving some savings behind in Australia. Um, there's a bank account. They've forgotten to actually tell the bank, oh, hey, I'm a non-resident, so you do need to withhold that 10%. Um, and it does mean if it hasn't been withheld, well, you technically need to pay that at the end of the financial year when you actually lodge your tax return. So that's, I know that's a super common one and definitely one of confusion. And then on the, uh, I suppose, the other side of the spectrum, I, you know, I've I still come across expats which have an investment property in Australia and they haven't lodged a tax return for eight or nine years. And, and yeah, you just, very common. <laughs> it is, it is. And maybe they're paying tax in their other country, but it doesn't matter. You know, tax at source, as Ben said before, you know, if it's, if it's coming from an Australian source, generally there's going to need to be included within a return in Australia. It makes sense. Even, you know? Yeah. Even if it's negatively geared, you still need to do a lodge of Australian tax return. And that's, that does, that's a bit of a misconception that some people have that, you know, maybe the tax office won't be chasing you if you're in a negative position, but there is still a requirement to lodge that tax return and make sure that that is carried forward um, year on year. Another yep. thing that I hear quite often is that the income that they've got is below the tax-free threshold, so isn't uh, requiring to be disclosed yep. to the tax office. Now, obviously, as non-residents, if you're non-resident for the full year, the tax-free threshold is not available, and the first dollar of income that's taxable as ordinary income would be taxable at 32.5%, soon to be going down to 30%. So that is I, something I hear uh, mm. quite often, um, and people are quite surprised when 
And you sort of raise that with them. Um, <laughs> and you know, you've got 10 years worth of tax returns you can get to Well, I mean, the negative geared one, that's a, that's a really good one. Because, I mean, what I like to tell my clients and expats in general is, you know, even if it's negatively geared, that's all well and good. But remember, you know, you want to know what losses you're accruing. You know, you know, sometimes we might even call that a tax asset that we can use in the future to offset capital gains or, mm-hmm. you know, positively geared income. So in order to plan ahead, don't you want to know what you've accrued over the last five, 10 years and go, cool, I've got, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 of losses carried forward. That means if I need to sell that property, you know, maybe that'll eat into the gains depending on cost-based adjustments and other things. But you want to know what you've got. That way you can make adjustments and plan accordingly ahead. So I, you know, it's funny that, yeah, it's negatively geared. Well, is it, you know, we had that period of interest rates being remarkably low. I bet some of some properties fell into being positively geared Mm territory through that period i mean moving uh, forward i mean hex what about i mean the requirement to i mean is a hex lodgement different to a non-resident tax return yeah so yeah so hex now called help is another uh, instance where you'll need to lodge a, a return or at least let the AHO know of your foreign income reporting mm-hmm. As if you're using a tax agent, then we need to prepare a return to disclose the income you've earned overseas. So this is a requirement that was brought in from the 2018 tax year. So this is five years ago now. So still a few people who aren't aware of this as a requirement who might have been long-term expats, but there are definitely um, you know people that have become more aware of it and reached out to, for, for, for me to prepare the return. And, and yep. that's typically what's required to, to disclose the foreign income, not so much to tax that income because it would be exempt, but for the help repayment purposes. And they still use the same repayment thresholds and rates that you would have if you were in Australia. Although yeah. with the exchange rate being so low, you don't have to be earning too higher an income uh, to be in quite a high repayment amount. And obviously, mm. because there's no withholding, unlike in Australian employment on that um, income, then you could be out of pocket up to 10% of your gross employment income overseas. And if you're doing yeah. that for five years running, it's not to be sneezed at often. So no. I would recommend everyone to really have oh, a look at that it's, uh, it- and get onto a it can be pretty punitive. It's a stealth tax, I like to call it, because um, when you've got sort of uh, professionals heading overseas, expats, they're working either in the US, UK, wherever it might be, and even in, I guess, the Middle East as well, you know, a lot of all, all the Middle Eastern currencies tethered to the uh, US dollar, you know, US dollar is still quite strong, and then they're in a tax-free environment, but then the stealth tax comes out of nowhere. They're, they're required help lodger and go, shit, you know, now I've got to pay 10% back on that. Sometimes it might be better to pay it all off because indexation, you know, we had the highest indexation last financial year. I think it was 7.1%. Um, the government will be loving that, rubbing their, their fingers together. Um, and then this year, it's going to be uh, this financial year we're in right now. Remember, indexation is still going to be quite high. So I guess if you want a guaranteed return, um, it might be worthwhile doing some voluntary repayments on your HEX because you know you've got that voluntary yeah. help lodgement coming up. So, you know, listeners, you know, there's a little tax tip or I suppose money tip if you've got a HEX debt left back in Australia, do a voluntary repayment before indexation kicks in on the 1st of June 2024. That's a really good one because it's not going to be anything like 2.1%. It'll still be maybe a 45 maybe even higher, 5.5%. Um 
So, uh, yeah, a, a really good one there. Is there, is, I mean, yeah. we've covered a, a lot of good and a lot of different income sources there. Hex is obviously the main one. Uh, what about if, uh, I guess, a non-resident doesn't really have anything back in Australia? You know, they don't have any, they, they might have a tiny bit of savings, maybe $2,000, a couple of hundred dollars, and that's it. Is there still the requirement, do you think, to do uh, a, some sort of non-resident lodgement just to keep the ATO happy that they're overseas? Yeah, so that's a good question. When, like, if you've actually had your return assessed and there isn't going to be future lodgements due, then what you would typically do is mark on your departure year that this is a final tax return. Now, that doesn't mean that you never lodge returns again in the future. It just really does flag to the tax office that you're not expected to lodge until your circumstances change. And as soon as you then lodge a return in the future, because your circumstances have changed, then it reactivates everything uh, from the HO perspective, but it does get the HO off, off your back. Yep. If you don't mark it as final, then the HO will look for a tax return for you each year. So it's quite common for me to look at people's HO pre-fill and see you know, five, six, seven years of returns that are looking like they need to be prepared. But when you dig deeper into the actual pre-fill information that they've got, you can see that either they've got no interest or dividends or they've had the right withholding applied to them so they don't actually need a tax return, in which case we can lodge a return not necessary, which is a pretty simple process and we can do that in bulk. Um, it won't let you do that if you've got an active ABN outstanding, unfortunately. So bear that in mind if you've got if you're on the expat tuning, cancel your ABN as soon as you become an expat if you're not planning on using it so that yeah. this is an easy fix. So um, that's typically how you can go about closing off those obligations. That's a really good one because I know there'd be a lot of expats um, that have done some sort of little, you know, maybe side hustle under an ABN, but then they forget about it. They've declared it once in a mm -hmm. tax return. The ABN still ticking out, ticking over in the background in the ether. Um, they don't mm -hmm. do that side hustle again, but it's still there. And then yeah. um, they head over. It'll, it'll cancel after like five or so years, but yeah. the, the years where it's still active, those five years, the tax office won't let you lodge a return unnecessary. You have to lodge a nil return, which is, a painful process that doesn't really benefit anybody. Um, no. <laughs> but so if we can avoid that for everyone and save some pain, then yeah. let, let's do it. Yeah, that's it, mate. The ATO, bastard. Um, mate, listen, really appreciate you jumping on today's episode and picking your brain. That's been a terrific episode. Hopefully listeners get a lot of value from that. In the meantime, Ben, enjoy the end of the year. Enjoy Christmas. Uh, to those that are listening in, enjoy the New Year period. And we look forward to catching up in the New Year. Likewise. Thanks, Jane. Appreciate it.